Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So they were to eat, the Bible says, the unleavened bread. Have you seen unleavened bread? The matzah crackers, you've seen them? If you look at them, you notice on the, on the matzah crackers that, that you can go to Lowe's or any place and get them, actually. And on the matzah crackers, they got all these little, all the little holes in it. And, and it looks kind of, um, you know, kind of burnt and kind of, you know, striped, if you will, or burnt. And, and there's a reason for that. Because all of, all of that speaks of uh, Christ. It speaks of the fact that Jesus was pierced for us. And Jesus was stripped and beaten for us. And that whip came down upon his back and the nails in his hands and the thorns in, in, in his side or on his head and the spear in his side. That matzah cracker has a lot of symbolism and a lot of meaning there. And then notice they were also told to eat it all. Did you see that in your text? To eat it all. None of it shall remain. Don't leave any leftovers. And anything that remained was to be burned in the fire, which speaks of the fact that Jesus paid for our sins completely and fully. Don't you remember when Jesus was on the cross? He said three words when he before he died. He said, what? It is finished. To tell us die. It is finished. In other words, Jesus was saying this. There's nothing left over for us to do but receive by faith what he has done. This lamb is supposed to be consumed completely. Look at verse 11 in your Bibles. Now, they usually notice when they ate, they usually would relax and recline when they ate. But notice God says, when you eat this meal, I want you to be fully dressed, ready to go, eating on the run. Okay. Don't kill me. This is the first mention in the Bible of fast food. I worked on that all day. And notice it. Listen, listen, listen. The reason they had to eat it on the run was because when the word came, get this, that it's time to go, they needed to be ready to leave. And so God says, on that night, I will pass through Egypt. I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. Understand something here. The firstborn was the privileged position in the family. The firstborn represented strength and hope for the entire family. And so for God to strike the firstborn was to strike at their hope and at their strength. Notice in verse 14 14 through 20, we're going to take a bigger chunk of text here. Look at verse 14. So this day they shall be to you a memorial. This day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. 
On the first day, you shall remove the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall, there shall be a holy convocation or a celebration to the Lord. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, underline that, for on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt, therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. And in the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Stop right there. Notice the Passover, according to verse 14, is an annual perpetual event, and they were never to forget the deliverance from Egypt. And so the Passover begins, as I told you already, on the 10th day of the month when the lamb was selected. And the Passover, get this, was held on the 14th day. The very next day, beginning the very next day, they spent seven days eating unleavened bread, celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Passover meal and the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread are known as Passover. Today, if you talk to Jewish people, they will tell you they understand the Passover to actually mean an eight-day celebration. The whole period is known as Passover. Notice the Bible says again in verse 15, the soul that eats leavened bread shall be cut off from Israel, which doesn't mean that they'll be put to death. It literally means that they will be excommunicated. Now, remember, I told you leaven is a picture of sin and God will. During the Passover, God says, I don't want you to eat leavened bread. I want you to eat unleavened bread. Why? Because leaven represents sin. And God doesn't want us to be involved in sin during this period, during our lives. God doesn't want his people to be involved in sin. And if we are involved in sin, God wants us to confess our sin. Amen, saints? Confess your sin, the Bible says. So God says God knows that sin and leaven will consume your life and God knows sin will separate you from him. You can't even have a little bit of sin in your life because it will consume your life. Now, in verses 21 through 28, I'm going to ask you to read that in your own time. But essentially, when you read it, you'll see that they did exactly what God said. And again, you can read it in your own time. But let's pick up in verse 29. Look at verse 29. You're there. Say amen. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captain who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night. Look at verse 30. He and all of his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not 
a house where there was not one dead. Very interesting. I find that this is the greatest and most severe of all the judgments of all the ten plagues. And yet, did you know, it's only given two verses. And this is the most severe of all the plagues. At midnight, the Bible says, Pharaoh awakened to the sound of cries and shrieks of grieving families because all the hope that was centered on the firstborn is now gone. And God struck all the firstborn in Egypt from the house of Pharaoh to the animals. Not one household did not have something, someone dead in it. Did you get that? Now, I said something or someone because, listen closely, either a lamb died in every house or the firstborn died in every house. But something, according to verse 30, was dead in every house. You understand? Say amen. In every house. Very interesting. Look at verse 31. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting there. Look at verse 31. Then he called for Moses. He who? Pharaoh. Called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. This guy cracks me up. (laughs) You know, after all this, the land is laying in ruins. He finally gets it. He says, look, because his son is dead. It's very interesting how when something bad happens to you personally, now all of a sudden you got to change your heart. So he goes, oh, well, go, just go, you guys. No, I think he said this in humility. Honestly, I think he was broken. I think he was sad. His son just died. It's very possible in the Hebrew language it indicates that, that, that at the moment that people died, the firstborn died, there was great cries. It was like a momentary thing. It all happened at once. And he says, well, you guys go. That's it. I'm done with fighting with God. And he says, while you're going, hey, you guys make sure you send me a blessing. Bless me. Pharaoh's something else. He's too much like us. Verse 33, and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough. That's not money, y'all. Y'all know that, right? They took the, although I'm sure they took their dough, but they took their dough. You understand. Before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes. I, I get the impression this is like the first mention of backpacks. Sorry, I'm sorry, I, that long day. And, uh, but they had them in their clothes, on their shoulders, and the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, gold, and clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And then the children of Israel, in verse 37, underlined this, journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. And a mixed multitude went up with them. I'll tell you who they are in a minute. 
also flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait for the dough to rise, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt were 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observe, observance for all the children of Israel throughout all the generations. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Pharaoh called for Moses and said, rise up and go. And again, I think that there was a brokenness there. I think that there was a sadness there. But you want to notice before they left, they asked the Egyptians to give them silver, gold and clothing, which was actually back pay for 430 years of free labor. Amen. God's going to get his. Just a matter of when, not if. And so God paid his people for their labor. Now, you want to notice in verse 37, there were 600,000 men on foot, not including men or, pardon me, women and children moving out of Egypt. Some scholars believe that there was as many as two to three million people. Now, you've all seen the movie when they're marching out of Egypt. And, 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 and there's a great multitude. Well, that movie really doesn't do any justice. You know, the Ten Commandments and, and even the Prince of Egypt. I love the Prince of Egypt. And, and even the Prince of Egypt because there were millions of God's people walking out of Egypt. And notice also in verse 37, pardon me, verse 38, it says that there was also a mixed multitude that left Egypt. Who were they? Well, listen, these were some of the Egyptians leaving Egypt. Don't you know that the Egyptians, many of them, obviously, according to the scriptures, believe the word and they put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. They believe, many of them believe, there was a mixed multitude that went out. And some of these Egyptians, we'll see later on, they marry, they intermarry with God's people. We'll talk about that later on in the book of Exodus. But many of them, they believed in, you know, what the children of Israel were doing and the angel of death and this last plague. And naturally so, they had already seen nine of the plagues take place. So they figured, look, if nine things happen like this wacky guy Moses said they were going to happen, ain't going to hurt if I put the blood on the door. <laughs> you understand. Raise your hand if you put the blood on the door, whether you believe it or not. All right, good. Some of y'all wouldn't. I'm praying for you, all right? But they put the blood on the door. And again, as I said, you can't blame them. I mean, think about this here. And here's another thing. Here's a very practical thing. There's nothing left in Egypt. You got to understand, Egypt has been destroyed. The Nile has been destroyed. It's been turned to blood, which affected the fishing industry. It's wasted. All the crops have been destroyed. The cattle are either dead or they have sores on them. There's hail and fire had run through the land and much of Egypt is burned and black. 
Darkness had fallen on the land, which made it difficult to breathe. The whole land is wasted. So many of the Egyptians were leaving, and many of them put the blood on the door as a sign of their belief. And I'm also sure that some of the Jewish people did not put the blood on their doors as a sign of disbelief. And the angel of death visited their house. Well, they're making their way out of Egypt. The exodus or the exit. And you want to keep in mind that they don't know where they're going. They don't have maps. They have little provision. I mean, all things considered, they have little provision. They don't have maps. They don't really know where they're going. And yet they're headed into the desert out of Egypt. And little did they know, saints, listen to me close. Although they didn't have maps, although they didn't know where they were going, although they had little provision, little did they know that the shoes that they left Egypt with on their feet would last them for 40 years, and the clothes that they wore out of Egypt would last them for 40 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to buy my children a pair of Nikes, and they last for 40 years. <laughs> Say amen, parents. I mean, I, you got to wonder. I mean, you got to wonder, like the little, like, you know, the little baby white, the little baby white shoes that you get? Like I had a pair and they kind of, they, 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 they were like really thick and you, the little baby white shoes when you're going to like learn to walk that you get your babies. And I got to wonder if the, the shoe just kept, while they were in, in the wilderness, did it just keep growing as the person kept growing? And then you got these little big, little cloggy things on, you know, this grown man with these white, huge shoes on like this. I mean... Because the Bible tells us what? Their shoes lasted for how long? 40 years. The clothes lasted for 40 years. Now, they, I'm sure they were out of style. I mean, they tend to go, even in the wilderness, there's fashion. There has to be. And, I mean, I don't know. That's a little sanctified imagination, I guess, you know. But the Bible also tells us, get this, in Psalm 105, this is very interesting, in verse 36 and 37, the Bible tells us, He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and get this, and there was none feeble among his tribes. In other words, as they were leaving Egypt, get this, there was nobody was sick. The whole time, God provided for them. What does that tell us? Listen, you might not have any maps. You might have little provision. But I can tell you where God sends you, he will take care of you. I'm sure they were not. I know they were not thinking, look, we got our shoes on and, you know, God's going to provide us while we're in the wilderness and we're never going to have to buy shoes for 40 years. We're never going to have to buy clothes for 40 years. We're not going to have any water, but that's okay because God is going to give us water from a rock. Or we're not going to have any meat, but God is going to send the quail. We're not going to have any food, but God is going to put manna on the ground every day. They were not thinking that. They were trying to get out of Egypt. Egypt represents the world. And they said, I'm just going to get out of the world. I'm going to go follow God. And God is going to give me the maps I need as I walk by faith. One step at a time. Just one. 
A walk of faith, not a run of faith, not a crawl of faith, not a sprint of faith, but a walk of faith. Step by step out of Egypt, trusting God. Saints, listen, we have to get to the place where we trust God. Somebody say amen. We got to get to that place where we trust God, where we say, God, I'll take this step. We talked about this, step A, step B, step C. And that's what they were doing. They were just walking and trusting God. Well, then notice in verse 43 through 51. Yeah, baby. And the Lord said to Moses in verse 43 and to Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is brought for money, bought for money, when you have circumcised him, now get this, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a higher servant shall not eat of it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside, nor shall you break one of its bones. Underline that. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all of his males be circumcised and let them come near and keep it. And he shall be a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat. One law shall be for the native Born or home born. You might want to call him homeboy. Home born, native born, and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Before you shut your Bibles, note this God gives them. Follow up instructions because there's a mixed multitude coming out of Egypt and God is making it clear in order for you to share in the Passover, you had to become part of the people of Israel and how you became part of the people of Israel was through circumcision. God says, listen, if you want the benefit of being a part of God's people, then you have to make the commitment which there's a sermon in there somewhere. If you want the benefit, you've got to make the commitment. In order to share in communion, we have here at Calvary, we talk about the benefit of communion. Then you have to make the commitment. Remember in communion, if you're not a Christian, you shouldn't partake because if you partake, you're eating and drinking judgment and damnation to yourself. So if you want the benefit You've got to make the commitment. And then notice in verse 46 in your Bibles, in one house it shall be eaten. You see that? You shall not, in other words, you shall not carry any of the flesh outside. They were not to go and get creative and innovative with the Passover. No taking lamb box lunches. You understand? No, notice it was supposed to be in one house to be eaten. And then notice the reference I had you underline it, that not one of his, the lamb's bones shall be broken. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does. Remember, Jesus is on the cross. 
a part of the prophecy concerning Christ is that not one of his bones shall be broken. None of the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ's bones were to be broken. The Bible says Jesus breathes his last breath and he gave up the spirit. And because he gave up the spirit, they didn't have to break his legs. Remember? See, that's why I tell you, you got to understand chapter 12 of the book of Exodus in order that your theology and that your understanding of the New Testament and Christ on the cross and him being our Passover lamb would be correct. This chapter is probably, as I said, the most important chapter in the book of Exodus and possibly in the entire Old Testament. Very, very important to make the parallels. That's why I entitled this sermon Parallel Passover, or what I say, Passover Parallels. What did I say? Yeah, Passover Parallels. Because it's very important to make those parallels that we might have a right understanding of who we worship. Amen, saints? And why we worship. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.